welcome to the Dallas Soccer Show. I'm Dustin Nation. And in this episode, we'll be discussing FC Dallas's 3-0 loss away at Nashville, their 0-0 draw in Salt Lake, and later in the show, El Matador Presidente Luis Dollar drops by to talk about their situation and the general state of the supporters groups at Toyota Stadium. With me this week, as always, is Jonathan Roz. Howdy, Jonathan. Hey, Dustin. Um, man, I guess I wanted to do something a little bit different. I just wanted to to thank. I mean, the, I know that uh, you know we get lots of people who who stop by and listen and, and take time uh, uh, with me and you to to you know do some virtual talk about FC Dallas, right? Join the podcast. You know, we get it. it surprises me sometimes, especially when we see. Uh, some lackluster on-field appearances, how many people we still have uh, join in and listen in. So I just wanted to kind of do a quick shout out to, to you, the listener of the Dallas Soccer Show. Um, we really appreciate the, the support. Absolutely. Yeah, in, like the, the Dallas, the DFW soccer community is so awesome. I've been a, a flabbergasted by the type of number of people and the the quality of people I've met up and down the spectrum from like the the uh, UPSL all the way up to FC Dallas. So, yeah, second to that. Thanks for listening, everybody. That's the show, <laughs> and it's a wrap. Just, <laughs> we just we just don't want to talk about you know the, those those two beautiful games. Yeah, we're just we're we're stalling, we're punting. Um, but I guess you know I. Uh, I had my just personal note. I had my own little adventure this week. We were on COVID quarantine. Are you so that was fun? Are you officially cleared now? Or are you still waiting? We for- are done. We are done. My my youngest daughter was possibly exposed and then got sick, uh, and so we had to we had to then another daughter got sick, and so we when the doctor said to go get tested, they got tested. Both of them were negative. Uh, rapid tests, and then yesterday, or yesterday and today, we got back full negatives. So we are we are in the we can go places again. Great news, man! Yeah, so that kind of that's kind of a little bit of backstory of why we didn't get a, an episode out after the Nashville game. That and also because it just wasn't. We we're just not looking forward to talking about it. <laughs> so let's talk about it, I guess. Yeah, which, which is which is why I was thinking, you know, how, how much I appreciate we still get hundreds of people listening to the to the pod, even even on you know when we talk about matches. That uh, to be honest, uh, there was there was times when you know I almost felt like turning it off myself. So, uh, but you know, here 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 we go. I guess Dustin, man, yeah, Nashville three zero. I mean, Nashville, we huh? just uh, FC Dallas yeah. just cannot score against those guys uh it's no three matches zero goals so, i mean they had a couple things going up, up against them that match uh a they're away form and b nashville seems to be a uh a little bit of a bogey team for them this, this season. is like their their san jose so, a couple years ago where san jose was just horrible and for some reason fc dallas just couldn't beat them yeah yeah i remember that year um yeah, I don't. I I guess I don't know what's going on. There's, there's that match was. Well, let's start with Titan Stadium's not a great soccer stadium, not a fun place to watch a match. It was kind of like watching a a Ford Madison match almost, just with the amount of stuff going on on the field. But uh, I had a couple takeaways from that match. I think you know we all saw the overall quality of of the match. Um, 
I, I think the thing that stood out to me is that uh, Tanner Tessman is in fact human. Yep. <laughs> he had a little bit of a coming back down to earth match. Um, after such a really good match prior against Sporting Kansas City. So, um, and then with Hedges out, we had Reto Ziegler and Bersan playing together again. Uh, and Reto had a little bit of a moment there where, I guess it was for the third goal, where he kind of got turned this way, that way, the other way, and then ended up kind of doing some sort of like kick out, fall down thing. So, my question to you from that, Jonathan, is is so he got exposed there it is is he um is he past it is it is is this the like decline of reto no i don't think this is the decline of, of reto this is um a guy who was left on an island defending one-on-one really um and you you mentioned it earlier about the pitch too man he he was he was not i mean it was a horrible inopportune time to 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 slip up but uh I mean, it seems like we saw that all over the pitch with FC Dallas players that day. Was uh, you know, some I don't know. I don't know what it is about their uh, about their 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 stadium. The the I guess, I'm assuming it's grass. I don't know, is it is it grass or is it turf? It is grass. Okay. Yeah, it's grass because they they have the Titans play there, and you could see it was worn down where the players for the Titans yeah. and the other opposing team were kind of on the sidelines, so the sides were slippery, and then down the center where the football team plays is slippery. But no, it's not. I mean. I, I honestly, but, I, I mean, I, every time I saw the 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 replays on Twitter or whatever, someone else tweeting it out, I just honestly, I just felt bad for Ziegler, right? Because it's those 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 things happen. I mean, he's all he's he's a smart player, right? He's not super fast. He's still got a strong leg, right? Uh, I don't think this is, uh, you know, yes, he's he's at some point his career is going to end, but I don't think that this game was some sort of like a pivoting turning point. I think it was just he was he was exposed um left on his own and kind of got out juked by a by a player and that that happens man yeah i i think you know it's he's he is getting older he has he is slowing down a little bit but he's also one of the smartest defenders we have and you that's kind of what you get when you get somebody who's played football at the level that he's played across the ocean right and he comes over here and he may not have, um, you know, the, the, he may not be in the peak physical shape, but he's got that brain there. He's faced some of the best players in the world and he can, um, still do that. And his, his passing is still spot on. So, and those are things that you'll get from, you know, kind of a wily veteran overseas defender. The, the, my bigger concern, and we saw this in this match, and it was also, I think it was the, the Houston match, is teams have found a way to expose a little bit by be going between the two center backs, right? So, Long ball between the two center backs, uh, and if 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 you can get the the ball to the your offensive player, um, because of the fact that neither Hedges or Ziegler are super fast, right? Uh, you can they can be exposed. I think it was even worse in that game against Nashville uh, because of the fact that Santos was out, right? And and. And yep. Tessman, who's, you know, we probably cursed him in the, the, the game before because I, I mentioned the fact that, you know, f- for a young player, he's he's not really had that off game, which is what you kind of expect with a young player. Uh, yeah, he had one. And then, yeah, I mean, without, you know, I think if Tiago Santos was was playing that match, it would have been, uh, I'm not going to say it's a different outcome, right? But I, I don't think that those two earlier goals uh, may not have happened, right? 
Yeah, when you've got your your fullbacks committed up the field, um, and you get turnovers like they had, and with quick response and counterattacking football, you've got to recover. And you know, there's I think that first goal that that um, made all the news with the Walker Zimmerman and all the highlights with Walker Zimmerman tackle that turned led it to a couple passes down the field and then um, led to the goal. You did see Tanner Tessman get turned around, go after the wrong defender. Um, and then the other defender was one-on-one, um, with the keeper. So, sorry, the other attacker was one-on-one with the keeper. So, you know, I think you're right. I think when you're talking about going in between the, the two center backs, that's the, the center defensive mid spot, right? They sit above in front of them in between them and kind of take up that space so that nobody can go into that space unguarded. But, um, you know, with Tessman and his, uh, I guess we'll call it inexperience. With his inexperience, yes. he wasn't always there. Santos isn't always there either. He, he has a tendency to get pulled, yeah. pulled this way and that uh, out of position as well. So, you know, I, I hesitate to say that we, just like you, that 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 it goes any different with Santos there instead of Tessman. Yeah, and, and, and part of that might also just be the the formation, what the – that Lucci plays these guys where they've got the double pivots um, and there's not necessarily somebody whose job it is just to sit back there and cover that space. Uh, and yeah. so it's, it's, it is definitely relying on the the player to make those quick decisions. And you, it, you have a player like Tasman who's not played that uh, position a ton, right? Things like that are going to happen, but I, you, you, you move on. Uh, I'm not, I'm not going to take a ton away from that game other than, I mean, I'm what, what concerned me more, I think is what we saw on the other side of the field, which is just a complete inability. Imagine that to break down a team, um, even worse without Mikey. I, I know that, uh, I, we picked on, uh, Barrios a little bit in this, in this podcast. I know others have on social media, uh, you know, that, you know, he's having an off year. Uh, but, Still, when with without uh, without his his speed and attack, it's it's it takes a lethargic FC Dallas uh, offense down even a further step. So I think that was you know, something we saw in Nashville, um, and then obviously as we move on to to the next game, you know we we saw uh, not I mean obviously Mikey played, but we saw you know the inability to really break down a defense against RSL. But but before. <laughs> I think the other uh one last the, the, the other big point uh was you know in the 66th minute uh Franco Hara uh, gets uh, replaced. Oh man, I thought we were going to get away with oh, come, talking come on, about that. But you, you have to have to at least at least mention it that uh, I think it was every question Lucci fielded after the match was about that. <laughs> All right, let's I, go. All right, I, what's the question? I mean the, the question the question is <laughs> Is there any big takeaway, right? Was was it was it handled handled wrongly? Did Lucci do something wrong there by trying to, uh, you know, stop Hara? Is, is no, no, that he did the right thing. You you've got to you've got to when you're a young manager and you're inexperienced like that, you've got to make sure that you know you still have some bit of. Um, authority over the players and whether it's little things like a handshake after the game or after you get pulled off or whether it's, you know, like 
making the decisions of who plays where and all that. Like you've got to make sure that the players respect you. And for all the things that we've, you know, found out about Lucci and the, the way he sets up a team and the way that he tactically goes about matches or, and, and, or not, right. I guess the, what we're seeing now is, you know, he's got some, some learning to do tactically, but I think the thing that, that Lucci has going for him is just how good of a man manager he is. Like, I don't think that the team could have been headed by anyone um, better and going through all the things that they've gone through this season, like just the way he's handled himself and the way he's handled the team and brought the team through and, and looked after them through Orlando, through all of this stuff. Right. Like I I just, I think that he did the right thing there and uh, he continues to show that, that he, at least from the, personality man management side of the field he's he's got that part down what about you did you think it was uh well i think that the (laughs) i i I think he he could have read the you know horror's body language a little bit better potentially right and not stopped him or you know just when he passed just let him go and talk to him after the game but i think that hara was rightfully uh I don't know if he was concerned about necessarily being pulled off the pitch versus being frustrated just with the way things have been going. And I think it, you know, continued to the next game too. So I, I don't know if it was necessarily handled perfectly. I don't think it's a huge deal. I think that what we saw, uh, you know, Lucci said in the, not, I didn't join the press conference, but in the, the media call on Thursday, you know, he mentioned that, you know, it was within, within about an hour, right. It had already been settled, um, he even Lucci admitted that, you know, there were some things that, uh, he did on his side that wasn't, weren't exactly perfect. And some things that were done by Hara that weren't exactly perfect, but they're kind of, they're done with it. They're moving on. And so I, I kind of take his, take him for his word on that. Yeah. I mean, moving on to the RSL match, you saw him come off the field there and there was a double handed <laughs> high five and, a, and an embrace. So exactly. It looks to be true. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> All right. So I guess last night, which would have been Saturday night, FC Dallas traveled away yet again. They flew to Salt Lake, took on Real Salt Lake, and came away with a nil-nil draw. Uh, the first half, a little bit of a, we'll call it a, we called a disappointing, a hard match, hard half to watch for FC Dallas fans. Not a whole lot of, of spark, not a whole lot of, of activity from FC Dallas. They, they pretty well kind of bunkered down and tried to get lucky on a counter or, or whatever. Um, did, what did you make of that, that match? Um, that, the first half was, I mean, just not good. So the, the team itself, yes, they were bunkered down. They, and we've seen this a number of times now from FC Dallas where it, it feels like they're going to get scored on at any moment, but they somehow managed not to. Um, it may, yes, they were so lucky to not Whether it's three, on. you know, hitting three crossbars or, um, you know, there's been a couple of other matches where they were sitting back like that and, and you know, players gets a wide open shot and just shanks it over. What a, it it seems like FC Dallas has gotten lucky and I don't know, maybe maybe they're doing a little bit better at <laughs> at sitting back than what it looks like from a fan. But the the thing that concerned me is it 
to me, there wasn't a lot of pressing. Uh, didn't seem a lot like the, the the team was playing with a lot of energy when they did break out uh, on a counter. There was one, Dustin. I almost time marked so that I could go back to you to make a gift because it was it was almost almost hilarious watching uh, Barrios run down the right side, cross it in, and there was six RSL players in the box and no other no FCD player. It was just it was like a one man break, and, it, and it's like. And and Mikey knew that nobody was there. I mean, there's he, he had to be licking li- left and just saw there's no player. I don't. <laughs> he's like he's, he's like, like F well, it, I guess yeah, I'll just well just to get I'll it just somewhere. Go ahead and you never cross know. It. You know, I guess I could kick it out the back of the end zone, maybe. But it was it was uh, you know I saw that and I was like, man, this this feels you know like it it's uh, a demonstrative of of a lot of what we've seen from the FC Dallas offense this year. Might um, I guess. Before we move on to the, to the to the second half, where I think energy picked up a little bit, what I'm a little bit concerned about, and it's it's almost the opposite of what you were just talking about, is I'm I'm actually concerned that that what we saw on the field was a little bit of FC Dallas players not really. I don't know if I want to say the word not caring. It just, I mean, it it almost it almost felt a little bit like the. The, the the team you know wasn't playing with a lot of energy that they didn't really necessarily want to I, I'd say want to win this game and I don't know if it's because I, I don't know if I mean man if this hey if they, they would not be the only uh, team or the only uh, person that's just kind of ready for 2020 to be done but uh, I mean I did I didn't see a team that was scrapping and thinking hey this is my chance to lock down some home field advantage right I saw a team that was sitting back and doing the bare minimum they could to keep the other team from scoring. Yeah. I I don't want to ever question the desire or the heart or the, um, I guess the, the care about of a professional athlete who wants to win championships. Right. Like I'm, I don't, I, I generally tend to assume that they care and that there's something else going on. Uh, and in this case, I think it was just the way they were set up. And I felt that they, we saw this early on in the season as well, where they, they felt restricted. And I think that that was, that kind of maybe came out in the way they carried themselves and the way they went about doing that bunker defense, because you could tell that the entire name of the game for even for the Nashville match, as well as the RSL match is that they just didn't want to get caught out and attack in, in the attack too much, right? They wanted, didn't want to overcommit. And that, uh, I think that felt restricting to them. They're used to having the ball and having a lot of it. And when you are forced to sit in your own half for pretty much the whole half and just defend, it's, it's not, I wouldn't say that, that they didn't care. I just say that they, like they felt restricted and ready to, to do something different. Also, don't, let's not discount the fact that, you know, it is a, a very high, they are in the mountains there. So there's, you know, there's probably some of that going on too, but they're professional athletes. So no, I I, I'm not willing to talk I, a whole I, lot I, to that. I, I try not to read too much into it either, but it's just that it, it didn't look like an impassioned team and, and maybe you're right. And that was some of, some of the reasoning was just, they were just trying to keep the play in front of them. Right. Uh, and weren't being overly aggressive in that in that first half. But 
Um, the good news is I, I do think that it changed quite a bit in the second half, and you know, they, they did play with more energy. Um, they also had a, a a player change with with Fafa, who is who is Mister Energy, coming on in the second half. Um, for it was for Jesus, right? Yeah. For, for yes, yeah, they wanted to. They Luigi said that in the first half they wanted to defend in their own zone a little bit more and kind of get behind the ball, and that's why Jesus was in the lineup. And then in the second half they wanted to press a little bit more forward, and that's why they made the change to put in Fafa so that he could press higher and kind of stretch stretch them into their own, like stretch their stretch the their wow brain fart. Stretch them into their own zone so that that they could try to win the ball back higher. Well, this, I mean, it it almost felt like too, and it was it was a very short time period where you saw that energy pick up, and then uh, what's what's interesting is that you know the seventieth minute we saw hedges come in for Ricarte, uh, which was definitely you know a, that's definitely a, a defense for offense switch. Not that not that Ricarte can't play some defense, but it's it's definitely was taking the foot off the gas a little bit uh, almost felt like uh, Lucci was happy going into RSL and getting a point. Um, and I know, I mean, point points are, are precious. Am I, am I reading too much into that? Dustin, did you see, I mean, both between, I guess how they played in the first no. half as well as some of the substitution patterns, if, if that was maybe the goal. It definitely felt like the goal was to not lose. Um, I I think, you know, I wrote down whenever he made that sub that, oh, it looks like we're playing for the draw now. Um, but, you know, he, he said that the reasoning for that was that he wanted to add a defender while keeping the shape of the front line. I mean, I'm not so, so sure I completely buy that. Um, I, it did. I, I agree. It did feel like they just were trying to get out of there with a point. But you know what that does? That means that instead of having uh, five of 21 points on the road, you've got six of 24 points that you've gained on the road. And I, you know, I asked him midweek or, or even before this match, I said, Hey, you know, good teams are separated from great teams in this league by how well they play away from home. And like, how are you going to turn this around? Cause this isn't like, this is not good. And, you know, and that's, I, I tweeted out the, his response to that. But six six of twenty four isn't as good isn't much better than five no. of twenty one. And if they're gonna want to like, because so we've got two more away matches, and then most likely we're gonna have a away playoff match yep. at this point. And so, and the it's not looking good unless like they're gonna try to, you know, I, I don't know what the plan is there. Like they're they're gonna need to figure out and, something. And that's what it is. It, that's what so so Dustin. I mean, right now, from a offensive perspective, really, it's it seems like it's it's randomly you'll get a nice shot from Mikey. Um, you'll see, uh, you know, maybe a a Hollingshead run to overload the zone, right? That creates a little bit of of offense. the The guy who has to get going is Franco Franco Hara. I mean, it's just, I mean, this is now seven games without a goal, right? Um, yep. over that time period, over those seven games, only five shots on goal. I, I don't necessarily think it's him. I think that no, it's, no. I mean, there's 
the the last couple of last couple of matches, including the one last night against RSL, um, when they did actually try to do uh, you know a little bit of a hold up play with him, uh, he had some bad touches. Right, he didn't play great last night, um, but he continuously has to come back for the ball. Uh, he's getting no service in in the box. It, it's I, I feel like if FC Dallas is going to do anything in the playoffs, they need to spend the next four matches trying to figure out how the hell they get Frank O'Hara the ball in a position where he can score. I mean, I'll I'll tell you exactly how they do it, and that is just like they did against Sporting Kansas City when Ryan Hollingshead got his goal, and just like whenever. Uh, I think I tweeted out a, a video of this, uh, some very similar thing that happened a couple minutes ago. And that's you have to commit to having other players besides him in the box. When other players are in the box, he somehow finds a way to get the ball and get the shot on goal. It's when he's the only player in the box and the ball, the, the wingers take the ball down the wing and then all the other players are standing around the edge of the box just watching and hoping that the second ball comes out, like that's when Hara doesn't get the ball. That's where the defense gets an easy clearance and frustration starts setting in. And can you, you know, I think I, I talked about this as well as like, you can't do that every time, but you have to do it more. You have to, the, you have to be more, you have to take more risks in order to get more reward. And this is the time of the season where you can't just coast into the playoffs. You've got to start, finding ways to take some risks and getting points. And if that means that, you know, you get caught on the counter on occasion, fine, but it means you're also going to be, have yourself in a position to score more as well. And you, you've got to find a balance. You got to tip that balance. Like Lucci's all about balance, but the problem is, is that that balance is skewed on the conservative side and we've got, they've got to move it to the, to the risky side, the, the progress aggressive side and get more players in there because when other when the defense is occupied with other players, Hara is smart enough and wily enough to get into a position where he can get the ball and then get the ball on goal. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you. They've got to find more more of those opportunities to to overload the zone. The 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 run out cross doesn't work because. Uh, Hara is not fast enough for that, and in general, it seems like whenever that happens, if it's if it's a, a counter, he's he's already come back to try to get involved in the play, and so he's he's out of position when when they do that. It it, it has to be almost possession you know possession based, right? And then look for the opportunity to to overload the box, get multiple runners in the box. Unfortunately, there's not a lot of players outside of. I mean, Hollingshead will do it. You'll see Acosta do it on occasion, make those runs into the box. Um, you know, without without Paxton, who was you know who who's probably one of the best players at at doing that on this team. Man, it's we it's it's scary to say, but probably the guy that's the next best at it uh, is a guy who's on the injury list right now, and who every FC Dallas player pulls their hair out when they see him on the field because it's it's Santi Mascara is is one of the other players that will actually make those runs, right? How successful? Maybe mm-hmm. not. We saw Jesus do it. Yeah. We saw Jesus do it last year. Um, I, I don't know what the answer is um, for Lucci. I don't, I don't know if it's a specific player or if it's just the way he's going to have to have them play. 
I think it's a little bit of both. I think that there's got to be some player movement next season if we're if they're gonna try to build the team around Hara. I mean, which you, I mean, you pay a million bucks a year for a guy, you, you kind of gotta, right? Like that, you gotta make him the centerpiece. So, so um, yep. I was gonna say, so I was gonna completely change on you, man. I was gonna say, speaking of spending millions of dollars, the only the one of the other things to try to get out of this, uh, out of the last four matches is you've got a guy named Felipe who's uh, your 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 young goalkeeper that you've got to make a loan decision on. We saw this year that Brazil picked him up for the under twenty three Olympics. Uh, he's going to qualifying February thirteenth or sorry November thirteenth and sixteenth. Uh, for for a couple of friendlies uh, for their nat for their U twenty three national team, does FC Dallas? He's he's been he's been on the on the bench the last four or five matches. Uh, I, I noticed that. Uh, and and Zobek is uh, you know hasn't made the the game day roster. Does FC Dallas have to spend one of these last four games? I know it's important and, and give him a start. I mean that's a tough spot because. Maurer just turned 32, so he's got a couple more years. He's been playing lights out. Like Maurer's been one of the consistently best players on the field for FC Dallas. He's kept them in matches they had no business being in, and that's what you want from a goalkeeper, and you can't have any complaints about that, and it's really hard to unseat somebody who's doing that for the team and is a leader for the team on the field and off the field. And so how do you, as a young goalkeeper, then get on the field and prove your worth I don't know that I mean, you a, can. Yeah, I mean it's a, in that case. And and then like how is a club can you decide whether or not to spend as much bank as there's been bantered about about yeah. this hit? Yeah. Like how do you make that decision having not seen him actually on the field? Um and do you want to pay that for a backup goalkeeper in a league salary cap league in a league where on a team where where money is obviously a big Big, uh, yeah, I think the Hunts only do it if they think that they can. I mean, he's a young player that they could turn around and sell him here in a few years, or that he's going to grow into um, that long-term starter. Uh, but I, I don't know how you can tell that with in 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 practice. Uh, I can't even send him to NTSC. I mean, their season's completed. So uh, that's. I mean, if you look at your, I was look, trying to think about the you know the four games left. There's, I mean. Obviously, you want to try to get some playoff positioning, but to me, it's figuring out Franco Haro's, you know, how, how to get him on the on the score sheet a few times, and then, you know, that was the only other thing that I could, you know, think about was, you know, you got to make some sort of decision on Felipe, and I just don't know. I'm with you, man. I don't know how you pull Maurer from his starting job, uh, uh, even if you have that discussion, right? That's that's a tough thing to do when you're when you should be in. Uh, a big run trying to get yourself to a home field advantage because FC Dallas does not want to go away um, in the first round of the playoffs. For sure. Cool. All right. Well, I'm I'm ready to move on from these matches. Look behind us and really hope that Breck Shea doesn't come in and lay a hat trick on us on on uh, the week midweek. So. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, Luis Dollar joins us to talk about the state of the supporters groups at Toyota Stadium and a whole lot more. All right, welcome back from break, and on this side of the break, we're joined by Luis Dollar, who 
uh, is the president of El Matador. Uh, Luis, you joined us back in February. It seems like a lifetime ago uh, as we were talking about the kickoff of the of the season. And obviously a ton has happened since then. Uh, I, first off, I mean, tell me a little bit about uh, the decision of El Matador. I know, I know that uh, you guys have made a decision to continue to do some supporters activities uh, this year. Can you talk a little bit about that decision and uh, uh, and just kind of what things have been like uh, so far this year as a, as a supporters group for uh, FC Dallas? Yeah, for sure. And uh, thank you guys for having me. As always, I really appreciate y'all uh, reaching out. Um, yeah. And then as far as your question is concerned, as a group, we just told people um, to make individual decisions on whether or not they want to come to a game. Um, obviously, this is a completely uh, new environment that we find ourselves in. Um, and we didn't want to pressure anybody into coming back too early. Um, we did, uh, in fact, uh, the first game back. Um, use that as a, uh, a gauge as to whether or not we f- felt that the safety standards were being enforced. Um, and from there on out, we've um, relayed that message to the rest of our group. Um, but it is on an individual basis at this point. Um, but we are still in the stands. Um, those, those of us uh, willing to um, brave a pandemic to watch our soccer team play. Um, but yeah, it, it all comes down to individuals um, in our group. And, uh, and yeah. Do you, do you generally still have a pretty good turnout for uh, for the matches? Yeah. So for those of you that were uh, that are going to the matches and or just watching on TV, um, we did have a relatively uh, decent sized group for the Houston game. Um, we expect to have another decent sized group for the Houston game again on Halloween. Um, for those midweek games, it's very tough. I mean, we're in a pandemic as well as it being being midweek, um, so our numbers aren't too great. Uh, but I say on average, um, we're, yeah, we're averaging. Uh, I say 25 members. I mean, that's, it seems like a, such a low number, but with the, uh, the condensed uh, capacity and this whole thing, it, we're re- relatively proud of that number. So yeah, we're, we're still getting people out to games. Uh, we're still doing our thing. Um, but, uh, yeah, the Houston games in particular, um, we tend to have, uh, more than average for, uh, f- for obvious reasons, but, uh, but yeah, we're still getting out to games and doing our thing. So, so I've seen a lot of, uh, people uh, talking on on twitter about i guess the way that uh and actually i think it was even saw some stuff from you louise around uh some of the changing rules i guess that have been uh put upon uh the the fans from security or people and that are uh managing the game is there i guess have there raised some concerns around how uh i don't know the 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 supporters groups were acting or things being said, or is there some sort of friction with some of the security that was there at the, at the stadium? Yeah. So, um, as, as you mentioned, um, there was some activity on social media over the past, uh, I'd say three weeks in regards to some securities concerns and issues that we've had over these games during the pandemic. Um, a lot of it stemmed from a, um, how do we put it? A misunderstanding of the of the rules of the MLS code of conduct of the stadium policies. Um, we are, and I'm glad to say this now. We are um, straight away or uh, squared away with uh, stadium security at this point. Uh, over the past week and a half, both supporters groups sat down with security and had a really in depth conversation, um, and we got down to the nitty gritty of what is and what isn't allowed in the stadium. Um, most of the um, criticism came from a um, very obvious double standard in, in regards to um, uh, uh, language. Um, in particular, those of you that were at the match uh, against Orlando, um, 
I don't know if there was a single uh, person in that stadium who was not, um, uh, we'll just put uh, put it lightly, angry at um, certain people. Um, and we felt that the enforcement of certain rules were being applied to us, um, whereas those rules were not being applied to others. Um, but like I said, we're glad that that's been straightened away. Um, it's very, very politician-y. I know. Yeah. Right there. Yeah. I don't <laughs> I, I can feel a little dirty. I just actually, yeah. I mean, man, that that game was, and I <laughs> look. I've been going to SC Dallas games since 2014, uh, almost every game, um, and I've I've seen some bad refereeing performances in Frisco, but man, that one that one was right up there. Um, when when Ryan Halling said is cussing at the referee, you know that that was a terrible job. Okay, <laughs> um, but no. I mean, just to get back to the question, I mean, we're. Um, we're happy. Uh, we're satisfied with the um, response that we've got for stadium security. Um, over the years, we've had our issues with um, inconsistency and lack of communication. But we feel as of this moment right now, and this is this could change as it has changed in years past where we felt that we've had um, um, uh, you know, a good relationship. But as of right now, we're, we're comfortable with the, um, the relationship with the security and the enforcement of um, – the, this like double standard that we've been so, talking about. So to, so to be clear, on uh, on Saturday when Houston's here, are you allowed to tell them that they suck? Oh God, yeah, man, <laughs> it's quite incredible um, that um, for those of you that aren't aware of what Jonathan's saying, there was and on social media it was it was uh, going around um, quite a lot uh, during one of the our recent matches. Um, one of uh, a, a DBG member was chanting that a that a certain player sucks, and he was reprimanded by security. Um, now, for anybody who's familiar with MLS code of conduct, familiar with sports, um, saying the word "suck" is not a bad thing. Um, it's funny because if, if you ever go to like an elementary school playground, I mean, you hear things that are on a, a level. Um, so much wor- uh, worse than the word suck. Um, and I don't know. I feel, I feel like that should be a, if, if we can't say the word suck at a, at a professional sports game, um, then I, then I don't know. I think we've lost the plot a little bit, I, but, I, uh, so, I, so funny story, <laughs> funny story. The only hockey game I ever got tossed out of, I told the ref that his call sucked. Uh, but he didn't hear the S because I had a mouthpiece in. He heard a different word, and he tossed me right out of the game. <laughs> and I, was that at, um, in Allen or was that uh, in Dallas? That was in Ulysses, actually. Oh, uh, the, okay. That's it's funny. I literally work right by there. Uh, but yeah, yeah, really, really cool. Uh, but yeah, um, we're. I think but, we can say suck now. Actually, I can confirm one hundred percent right now that the word suck is allowed. Okay. Yay. All right. <laughs> so, so to quell all fears, you, heard it here you can first, folks. So when Toledo comes to, to Frisco, you can tell him that he is he is not doing a good, a good job. Okay. Well, um, but yeah, and and that makes me a little happier as we get into our our next subject because I was I was a little bit concerned if uh, I mean the the current home that you guys are in right now I think is pretty close to where you'll be in future seasons right because uh, one of the latest announcement announcements from the front office or actually non-announcement uh, I think that uh, some supporters groups may have been notified but I think uh, I've not seen anything officially come out from media about the or from the the uh like PR Gina account. or PR or anything like yeah. that about this. But we did see that the supporters groups are being moved out of the beer gardens and we're going to be moved into the southeast area of the stadium. Uh, so closer to the, the new Hall of Fame. Uh, and I'm assuming that's going to be pretty close to where the players come and go from the locker rooms. Uh, and that uh, the 
FC Dallas was going to set up some some safe standing areas for the supporters group. Uh, I guess, Louise, can you talk a little bit about how that came about? I mean, at, at what point was uh, discussions with El Matador started? Um, I'll, I'll answer your last question first. Um, we started talking about this move, I'd say, probably a month ago. So it was, it was actually quite recent. Um, and then to just to go more broadly, we are moving to sections 112 and 113 in the southwest corner of the Hall of Fame. Um we are look really, really looking forward to this for a variety of reasons. Um, when Third Degree did report this, um, I saw, as we've been seeing uh, behind the scenes with um, certain people, um, massive complaints uh, and massive bickering of, of, of the sort, which really struck me as odd. Um, there's, a, there's numerous reasons why us at El Matador are super excited for this move. Um, but like you you mentioned, I mean, we are getting safe standing. Um that should be a, 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 a that should be the the number one thing that a SG member at any soccer club um, could ever ask for. Um, and then for those of you who are in an SG at FC Dallas or have ever sat in the beer garden, you know that those bleachers are, if not the worst stands <laughs> in all of MLS. Yes. they're right up there. Um, from the bumps and bruises, the un- they're they're very unstable. I mean, I can I can name you tens of people who have left games with cuts, bruises, just by standing on those bleachers. Um, so yeah, like you said, we're getting safe standing. That is a massive um, um, thing for us. We've been asking for that for years, um, and I can I, I can list off a couple other things. I, I did tweet out a, a thread. Um, they got some traction um, from the third degree posts because I, I just wasn't wasn't really liking the, the tone of the conversation um, for, for a variety of reasons. But um, there's some other things that we're, we're really excited about. I mean, the location is going to be way louder than the garden. One of the one of the things that we noticed very early on during these games back um, in the pandemic is um, the Hall of Fame with the tarps and the massive amounts of concrete behind it um, really amplifies sound. Um, and if for those of you that were at the Houston game, you, you you know this. We had a handful of drums with 50 people max, and we were really loud. Um, so we're really excited about the uh, the atmosphere potential of, of, of the move. Um, the location is is great for for us. Um, one of the main problems with the garden was the ticketing like exclusivity of uh, of that section. You couldn't go into the garden unless you had a a, a BG ticket. Um, and for any SG member uh, or anybody who's familiar with how SGs work, um, that deters natural growth from first-time fans, from casual fans. Um, f- hell, EM exclusively almost grew entirely through this this sort of fan interaction. Um, now with us being located in the Hall of Fame, um, it'll be easier for uh, for those people who are like, hey, those people are having fun. I want to go talk to them. Um, and instead of having to go through loopholes of buying another ticket or, or, or trying to sneak your way down there somehow. Um, like you also mentioned, we're right in front of the player walkout area. That's going to allow for, for new potential um, in regards to starting some new traditions with them post and pregame. Um, and then, uh, and then yeah, uh, some of the main issues that people were bringing up was um, security concerns and then like uh, the moving of the location. Obviously for DBG, for example – their name has a location in it. Right. Um, so that's um, that's quite obvious why that would be an issue um, for them. Um, but for us, I mean, <laughs> we, 
We have been moved around that stadium Wait, over the past five years. back to where you were five years ago, right? Isn't that before uh, yeah, I mean, we're close. Started, isn't that yeah. pretty close? I mean, a, a little bit more central, but pretty close to where you were, right? Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, we're, we're used to moving, um, so that's never been an issue for us. Um, but yeah, for all those reasons I listed, um, us at El Matador, we're super excited for this. Um, and, uh, and man, we can't wait. Um, did, to, to, to see safe you, standing in Toyota Stadium is going to be crazy. Did they give you yeah, any dates? Did they tell you when it was, if it was for the first part of the season next year or if there's going to be time between then? Do you know? We um, we have no official date as to when this will take place next season. No. So. I have a question. Um, so isn't the Southwest Corner where they put the visitors section as well? So is there any concern that it'll be so close to the visitors fan section? Uh, yeah. So funny thing about that, we've always, um, so you're correct in saying that historically speaking, they've put um, uh, Portland up there, Seattle up there. I know Houston was on the other side um, for, for, for a couple of the games over the past few years, but historically speaking, you're correct. They tend to put the away fans in, in that, in that section over there um, with us being there. That's obviously can't, that just can't happen. Um, and, We've always asked the front office, um, kind of tongue in cheek, like, why are you putting the away fans in the shade? Right. I mean, we have a whole east side, which is lovely in June uh, when it's 105. They, they, they should be on that side. Right. I mean, um, and so they're going to have to be somewhere on the east side, I presume. Um, and uh, and, you know, hopefully they're in they're in some sun, you know, just 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 for that banter. They, they get to be in the sun and enjoy that 105 Texas, uh, Texas summer. Um, but yeah, to, to answer to answer your question, yeah, they're going to have to move. Uh, I don't see a way in which they stay over there. Yeah. So any any big TFO plans for the rest of the year, or um, or was the the one that you guys did? I think it was it was Houston, right? That you guys did a TFO for. Correct. Um, we did um, the big Matt Hedges TFO um, for passing uh, or for becoming the um, leading all time uh, caps leader for. Um, for FC Dallas, um, as far as future plans for a TIFO, um, one of the things that's, um, hurt us all, um, during this pandemic is our, uh, economically, we don't have the, the money that we, we typically have from the, the, you know, cause typically in the season we have numerous tailgates, we have awesome brand new merch that unfortunately we can't sell at those tailgates. Um, and that's how we derive, uh, the revenue to, to fund these TIFOs, um, if we do have a home playoff game, I'm not, I have, I literally have no idea how the playoffs are going to work. You guys would be way more informed on that. If we have a home playoff game, then yeah, we'll, we'll 100% do a TFO. Um, but yeah, we're, we're just hit economically right now as, as a group. Um, so that big Matt Hedges TFO, we were super proud of. It turned out really good. Um, Matt loved it. So, uh, yeah, um, that was the one for this Did he year. Sign it? Um, I don't, I don't think he signed it. Um, he, um, I, he he was in constant communication with us on, on social media, um, and I know people personally have who who are uh, personal friends got in touch with him. But he I don't think he signed it. Um, it's actually a good idea though. Um, and, there you go. Auction uh, that buddy buddy off and fund the next TIFO. Yeah, I mean that TIFO with a Matt Hedges signature in fifty years could be um, could be something that could be hanging inside the uh, the stadium somewhere. You know, um, you never know. Yeah, no, that's that's a great great idea. Yeah. Well, is there for for people who are interested in El Matador? Uh, is there any, any any guidance you want to give people on on how to get involved? Obviously, this is a weird year, but um, if they're interested in in participating or being involved with El Matador, who should they reach out? Yeah, to? 
Yeah, for sure. So uh, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook are going to be your best bets. Um, El Matador FCD on Twitter, um, and just and Facebook type in El Matador FCD as well, and then El Matador FCD on Instagram. Uh, just shoot us a DM. Uh, you can shoot me a DM on Twitter. I'm really active on Twitter at Luis Dollar Zero Nine. We're always looking for new, new members, um, and uh, yeah, this has been a very weird year. We had so many plans going into the year. I think la- the last time I spoke with you guys, we had um, upwards of ten high schools that were going to come out to games. Uh, we had we had massive plans for uh, for for this season, um, but uh, we got a pandemic thing. So uh, yeah, that 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 kind of changed our, our plans. But um, but yeah, reach out to us on social media, get in touch, um, and then I assume when the club officially announces um, from the official uh, Twitter accounts and uh, social media accounts the, the move, um, I assume there's going to be um, added interest that there's finally safe standing inside of Toyota Stadium. So. And we look forward to all of you guys reaching out. Um, and, uh, and yeah. Cool. Yeah, go hit them up, all of those locations. I'll try to put a couple of them in the show notes. So if you're listening on your phone, just kind of swipe up in the podcast app and and you can click to it from right there. Uh, Luis, thanks for joining us. Dustin, Jonathan, I really appreciate you guys having us on. And uh, always a pleasure. We'll see you out there, hear you on the broadcast or, or whatever. Awesome, man. Cheers. Cheers. All right. Well, if you enjoyed the show, uh, you can check us out online, DallasSoccerShow.com. We're on Twitter, Dallas Soccer Show, at Dallas Soccer Show. And if you like the show and you want to keep hearing it, and then you can hit that subscribe button in your podcast app and you'll get it in your on your phone right when it comes out without having to even know that we, we did it. It just shows up. It's magical, folks. So for Jonathan Wells, I'm Dustin Nation. Thanks for listening. Take it easy.